Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. And this is our second summer reading episode for this year. Again, last year we did an episode where Julie and I shared some some recommendations, a little science, a little fiction, a little science fiction, uh, for our more enlightened listeners, listeners out there who might want to read something during their travels or on the beach. Everyone seemed to get a kick out of it, so we thought, let's do it again, except let's do an extra episode where we, we have some guests come on and share their ideas of, uh, of about what you might want to read this summer. Uh, so that's what this episode is all about. We have three external guests from the outside world and three internal guests from HowStuffWorks.com. Mystery guests. Yes. But pretty soon, not so much a mystery. So we're going to kick things off here with an external guest, a man by the name of DJ Food, mm-hmm. also goes by the name Strictly Kev. He is a, a UK DJ, performing artist, uh, and overall connoisseur of all things weird and wonderful in the areas of music, comics, sci-fi. Needless to say, Food has a really busy schedule, but I said, hey, let's reach out to him. He's he's involved in all these very cool projects. He's he's constantly uh, keeping track of uh, interesting books, interesting music, interesting comics on his website, djfood.org, where he's constantly sharing uh, his, his own music, his own mixes, his uh, uh, stuff about his latest album, as well as all sorts of cool comics, uh, lots of cool design stuff. Uh, highly recommend checking that out. And now let's hear from the man himself with three recommendations for your summer reading. Hi, I'm DJ Food, otherwise known as Strictly Kev, and I'm here to present three things to blow your mind. First off, I've got a great book called King City by an an artist and writer called Brandon Graham, who's kind of tearing things up in the comics world at the moment for the uh, company Image. King City is, I think, 12 issues collected of a comic that completely passed me by. The story is um, revolves around a number of people who live in King City. The city's kind of the star of the book. But there's a guy who's a cat master, who's kind of like a ninja master of a cat that can do all sorts of crazy things and change its body and stuff. And uh, there's an adventure of him, there's an adventure of his ex-girlfriend, there's an adventure of his friend, whose name escapes me now. But one of the things I like about it is there's masses of detail on every page. And suddenly you'll dip into a crossword or a join the dots page or a game even on a double page spread. So it's a very unique way of storytelling and it's a good page turn. So uh, if, if you think you know comics, you know, if we both know, I'm sure everyone, your, your listeners know that it's not all about DC and Marvel and guys in tights and capes. This is, this is something that anyone could get into. You never have to read, read a comic in your life. It's not just a guy thing either. It's, uh, you know, easily girls could get into it. It's no problem. So there you go. Not a very succinct description, but it's, it's a very unique comic. So that's my first one. Second one is another huge book. Copendium by Julian Cope. You might know Julian Cope, the, uh, should I say rock star, singer, artist, recording artist, um, sprung to fame over here anyway in the UK with the Teardrop Explodes. Um, he's also a very good writer. Uh, if you ever find his biography head on, it's well worth reading. But this is something else. It's, it's a collection of his album reviews he used to do on his website, sort of arranged in a sort of chronological alternate history of rock writing, uh, from the tw- last half of the 20th century. It starts at the end of the 50s. We all know the accepted classics of rock, Led Zeppelin, The Who, The Beatles, The Stones, etc., etc. This is an alternate version of that. It's um, 
It's the things that fell under the radar, the weird and the wonderful, the the private pressings, the the oddities that he thinks are just as worthy as any Beatles album, but never got the kudos. So um, it's a very, very readable book. Again, he's got an excellent turn of phrase, a sort of mix of sort of hippie and Celtic, if that makes any sense. Um, and uh, just, I always enjoy reading his stuff. As I said, his biography head-on is incredible. Um, uh, he's had a very interesting life, and he's got a very unique take on music. It's uh, as good as any writer you'll read in the music press or on online. So that's Copendium, an expedition into the rock and roll underground by Julian Cope. And last but not least, we have Watching the Watchmen by Dave Gibbons, designed by Chip Kidd and Mike Essel. And I'm sure a lot of readers or listeners would know Watchmen, the comic by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons, uh, classic you know, one of the first graphic novels in inverted commas. This is a huge copy table book which basically explores the artwork, the background and the genesis of the whole thing, including never seen before artwork, preliminary designs, layouts for pages, promotional items, original drawings, merchandise, the whole thing from start to finish in order of the creation of Watchmen by Dave Gibbons, um, laid out superbly by the designer Chip Kidd with lots of very, very magnified illustrations splashed across two pages. So you really get into the grain of the book and a running commentary by Dave Gibbons talking about the the genesis of the book, how he put it together, how he designed things. Lots of little clues which I'd never seen in the original comic that that he put in uh, for people to find. And just a very interesting historical look back at a classic, basically the making of a classic and how the comics industry changed from the beginning of the book to two years later when it finished. And it was, it literally did help change the comics industry overnight. Cool. Well, I think those are all three very interesting uh, recommendations there. Uh, I was, uh, of course, I'm familiar with Watchmen. Uh, Mm -hmm. Everyone... I think is familiar with Watchmen at this point, a very important uh, comic book. And, uh, and, and it would be uh, interesting for anyone out there who's a fan to check out um, this, uh, this new volume that, uh, that gives you even more visual insight into that world. And uh, the other uh, comic that uh, Food mentioned, uh, King City, uh, I have not read, but wow, I was just looking at some of the, the visuals from this, and it looks phenomenal. Uh, one of the stills we were looking at here uh, involved like a, a space suit and uh, kind of adorable cats crawling all over the place. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's really wonderful looking. And uh, as far as uh, Julian Cope goes, uh, I think you had uh, some experience. Yeah, here. yeah. Uh, Julian Cope was definitely in heavy rotation some number of years ago in our household. And I have to say, my, my husband's kind of the mix, mix master, and mm-hmm. he's the person who curates the music in our house. So um, I think that uh, this will be an awesome Father's Day present for him because um, he is a huge Julian Cope fan. And now I have absolutely, like, I'm going home after this, and I'm going to, put some Julian Cope in rotation because um, that's some good stuff. So I can't wait to check that out. Now, since that book uh, deals with with music, I would like to play just a quick clip from uh, DJ Foods' uh, 2012 album, The Search Engine, which includes this track, The Electric Hoax, featuring Natural Self, which really seems to um, to summon some of the uh, the vibes that are discussed in this in this book.
are going to listen to Lauren Vogelbaum's uh, recommendations. She is the co-host of Tech Stuff and Forward Thinking and just all-around wonderful person. Yes, uh, definitely a bookworm. So when we set out to do this episode, I was like, well, we got to ask Lauren because yeah. she's one of these people that will bring you books and set them on your desk and uh, and, and give you strong recommendations on, on what you need to read. And so she has a couple uh, here for you. Hey there, I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. I'm the co-host of Tech Stuff and also Forward Thinking, and I've got a couple recommendations for your summer reading list. This first one is a book that you'd find in the kids to young adults section, but I think it's a good choice for all ages. It's called The Gates. It's by John Connolly. And the reason that I'm recommending it is, okay, the, the, the crux of the plot of this book rests on two things, the Large Hadron Collider and a demon horde that is trying to come through it in order to take over the world. And that seems like prime stuff to blow your mind fan material right there. The language in it is is really just cheeky and hilarious. It's got science and fantasy. There's a ton of footnotes. All the stuff that I really love in a good young adult book about demons and science. At, at its core, it's, it's really about a very clever boy and his extremely brave dachshund. It's it's heartwarming and wonderful. And uh, if young adult is not necessarily your thing, Connolly has a lot of other books for children and adults, and I recommend most of them. My second rec on the list is called The Magicians. It's by Lev Grossman. And this one is for grown-ups only, or mature audiences, or immature, mature audiences. I'm never really sure why. Mature is the word that they choose to use when they're saying that there's sex and alcohol use in a book. But it's sort of like if Harry Potter had been set in college and involved an extremely disaffected main character. The reason that I'm recommending this one specifically is that um, it's got a system of magic in it. And uh, the magical ability in this universe is um, based on uh, a level of, of creativity and intelligence in a person in addition to a a psyche-breaking level of study that essentially renders magicians uh, not really operating under the normal confines of what we would call sanity anymore. And to me, that's fascinating, watching these characters kind of go through this process and and deal with it and also deal with normal coming-of-age, growing-up sort of things. Also, with, within the story, there's, there's a series of fictional books about a magical land called Fillory. And this is a direct parallel to the Narnia land and books and series by C.S. Lewis. When I was a kid, I loved Narnia. And the protagonist of The Magicians was a huge fan of the Fillory books when he was a kid. And it, it becomes really a very important part of the story. And just watching what Grossman does with that source material, if you know the Narnia books, becomes immensely fun. The book is dry and, and very wryly funny and very poignant. It's it's beautiful and heartbreaking and winds up being very hopeful in, in strange and lovely ways. Also, there's a sequel, and that is on my summer reading list. So I hope that you guys check out one or both of these. If you do, tell Robert and Julie how you feel about them. Or if you want to, you can drop me an email. Uh, you can reach me at techstuff at discovery.com. And I would love to hear from you. And, uh, yeah, enjoy your summer. Now, I think it's it's awesome that she she brought up The Magicians by Love Grossman because my wife just finished reading this book and is is already on the second book uh, that, that follows it. And uh, just just a word of, of caution, when, when she was first reading it, 
Uh, I had actually given it to her as a birthday gift. So she first, when she first started reading it, she was like, uh, you know, it's, it's all right. It's all right. And then she definitely reached a point where then she was just in, in, just completely obsessed with it. Uh, and this, this world of magic that it creates. So, um, so if you pick it up, uh, and it's not getting you right away, just, just wait. Because, uh, if this test case, uh, uh proves to be accurate, uh, it will get its hooks into you. Well, I kind of have a hundred page rule. Yeah. Like if I'm hundred page in, pages into it and it's not really gripping me, then I kind of feel like, okay, maybe it's not the thing for me. Although I really do prefer to finish a book. Uh, yeah. In, in its entirety. But I do feel like it, sometimes it takes a while for the author to kind of get into the material and lay it all down to where you're, you're firmly set in the trap. You yeah. Know? I feel like a hundred page rule is pretty fair because because on one hand, yeah, you don't want to quit books and, and put them back on the shelf or return them uh, unfinished. And, you know, you want to get your money's worth out of it. You don't want to be a, a quitter. But on the other hand, life is short. You can only read so many books <laughs> right. in this life, and it's just not worth it to struggle through one you're not enjoying. And I know people who refuse to give up. Who, right. Who, like, it'll be for months they're complaining about this book they're reading. And you're, you're like, don't finish it. What are you doing? I, I've done it twice. Yeah. Twice. One was a, a book that had Venice in the title, and I can't even remember it, but I was just, I think I actually threw it across the, the room. Um, and then the second one, and I, I would love to pick this up sometime when I have like 1,000 weeks in a row uh-huh. just to do nothing, and that is The Infinite Just. Ah, uh, yes. Which I think I was on page 280. And mm-hmm. then I went, okay, I can't. This I is just David can't. Foster Wallace. Yeah. yeah. And it was, and it was so frustrating to me because, uh, the story, the characters were very intriguing, but there was so much bobbing and weaving between that I kept feeling as though I was dumped on the side as a reader yeah. and would have to keep sort of picking back up. So emotionally, I was like, oh, but I was really invested in the story, and here I am in some other world. Well, you know, it's I'm a big believer in the right book for the right time. You know, sometimes it'll, it'll be a great book, and it'll even be a great book for you, but you have to be in the proper headspace for it. you got to have the right appetite for it at the time. I mean, we all have those books on our shelves where we're like, oh, I, I really would love to read that, but it's just not time yet. I would love to hear from a listener who has read Infinite Jest all the way through, and I would love to know whether or not it, it really lives up to the hype. Like, if you put 1,000 pages of reading into it, will you feel like you had a return on investment on the other side? So if anybody's out there, let us know. All right, and up next we're going to hear from Mary Roach, who is, of course, the author of Stiff, Spook, Bonk, Packing for Mars, and most recently, Gulp. Gulp. Of course, you've heard us talk about Gulp. You've heard us interview Mary Roach about this book, uh, and, and we, we we read it and ended up doing a number of uh, episodes on digestion as a spinoff from it. So, of course, we highly recommend any book by Mary Roach for the beach. But uh, but we, we also, in our recent talk with her, we asked Mary, it's like, well, what books are you excited about? Because I'm always interested in that. You know, what's feeding the minds of the minds that feed us? Uh, and she had a couple of really tantalizing suggestions for your summer reading. There's a book that is coming out by John Mualem, uh, M-O-O-A-L-L-E-M, called Wild Ones. And John Mualem, he wrote, I don't know if you saw, it was a cover story in the New York Times magazine about homosexuality in animals and people who study it. And, it, and he is just the most amazing in terms of his research, his ability to write beautiful essay, and his it's just this writing style, it's this wonderful book. It's about uh, how endangered species and, and, and basically humans and how we see animals and what we decide to save and what we don't decide to save, and just the, the, the unique views 
of humans, the, the, the approach toward different animal species over the years. And it, it, it's very hard to describe that book in a way that, that captures the sparkle and interest of it. But anyway, I, I love that book, and that is coming out, I believe, in May. Yeah. So that's coming up. I'm trying to think what else I've seen that is coming up. Rose George, who wrote that wonderful book on uh, called The Big Necessity, which had to do with poop and sanitation and the global need for clean bathrooms. Uh, a lovely science writer, uh, fascinating book. And she has a new one coming out on shipping, global, the world, uh, behind the scenes world of shipping, which, not science. It's not exactly science, but in terms of how things work, just uh, uh, I, I can't wait to read it. Just because just you know, everything's shipped, and it's this sort of secret network that's out there, and nobody really knows much about it. And she spent a year uh, on ships and in shipyards and, and really uh, ferreting that out. So I'm looking forward to that one very much, too. So, they, yeah, there you go. Uh, that shipping book sounds really interesting. Unfortunately, as of the publication date, of this uh, particular episode, it, that book is not out yet. Definitely, as you're listening to this in the future, uh, it, it is probably already available, but as of now, you're going to have to wait on that, and instead, you'll have to go after The Big Necessity. Which seems like an awesome book on yes. its own. Very interesting. Um also wanted to point out that Rose George uh, was a war correspondent, and she also has a book out on refugees. So it seems to me like she has covered the spread no matter what the topic is. She does some deep dives on that. And John Mualem, um, the Wild Ones book, I can't wait to pick that up because I keep thinking that that would be a really nice companion book to the book we discussed last year, which was some... We love, some we hate, and some we eat, which looks at our relationship with animals. With animals yes. And uh, Mualem just kind of takes, it sounds like, a different uh, look at animals and how we perceive them. And in fact, we have referenced one of his articles before when we talked about uh, homosexuality in animals. So, right. Uh, very interested to see what other sort of discoveries he has in that book. Cool. Well, you know, we're going to we're gonna take a quick break. And when we come back, we will hit you with three more guests. Um just throw them at you. Just throw them at you. Two of them are going to be in-house here from uh, some uh, How Stuff Works podcasters that you, you may or may not be familiar with already. Mm-hmm. And then we're also going to hear from one more guest. Yep. Tra- is Tracy in the sling? Tracy. Tracy's All right. Pull her up. back right after these, uh, uh, these words. All right, we're back, and uh, for this uh, for this half of the episode, uh, we're going to kick things off with uh, Tracy V. Wilson, uh, one of the the, the long term uh, uh, faces, voices, writers here. The at rock, Stuff, the of rock of how stuff works. works. Yeah, she's uh, she's ma- uh, the site manager as well as co-host of uh, formerly of Pop Stuff and currently of Stuff You Missed in History Class. So, obviously, we turn to Tracy. We know she's a big reader, really into sci-fi and fantasy. and mm-hmm. um, so A writer herself. Writer herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's uh, and, and a poet. And we said, well, hey, let's... Uh, Let's let's reach out to her, see what she's got, and we just said, hey, whatever you want to recommend to our listeners, uh, let us have it. So here you go. Hi, my name's Tracy V. Wilson, co-host of Stuff You Missed in History Class, and here's my contribution to your summer reading list. It is a combination of history and science fiction called The Doomsday Book by Connie Willis. It came out in 1992, and it's about... A world where historians study history by actually traveling back in time to observe things. And in this book, 
uh, our historian, our hero of the story, is traveling back to the Middle Ages, and she is the first historian ever to do this. Of course, things do not go as planned, either in the Middle Ages or back home. It is a page-turner, and I hope you all enjoy it. Well, that one sounds fun. That one sounds, uh, you know, it's a little sort of time travel uh, thrown in there. Little yeah, fantasy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know so, that she is a fan of that, even in her own writing. So yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting to check out. All right. Up next, we're going to hear from David Barnett, who is an English journalist and author. Uh, you may have seen his work in Wired, uh, The Independent, and he's also a regular contributor to Tor Books, uh, the, the blog over there, which covers a lot of fantasy, sci-fi, literary stuff. And I actually uh, blog a little bit over there at Tor. Um, so I said, hey, well, let's, let me reach out, see who over at Tor will be interested in talking to us and sharing some work with us. Uh, David also is a novelist. He's written uh, the books uh, Hinterland, uh, Angel Glass, Pop Cult, Don't Let Them Take You Alive, and uh, he also has a book uh, called Gideon Smith and the Mechanical Girl, which is uh, alternative history, steampunk, um, Victorianism, uh, just, just a lot of fun stuff thrown in there. And he has uh, some, some more horror-themed books for us. For those of you who want uh, something a little spookier, a little grimmer for your summer reading. So let's hear from David. Hello, my name is David Barnett, and uh, I'm an author and journalist based in the north of England where I live with my wife Claire and our children Charlie and Alice. Uh, The first book in my alternate history Victoriana series Gideon Smith and the Mechanical Girl is published in September by Tor Books in the US and Snow Books in the UK and you can find my writing on science fictional matters among other things at Tor.com and other places. I'd like to recommend for your summer reads a couple of books that are very different but which could be said to be thematically linked. They're all horror books, and although at least two of them do actually deal with the supernatural, they're all notable for rooting their individual horrors very much in the real world uh, by way of a firm grounding in science. The first book I'd like to talk about is Red Moon by Benjamin Percy, which was published in May. Red Moon is, in essence, a werewolf book, but Percy kind of expertly brings his wolf men and wolf women out from the shadows cast by the full moon and puts them under a very contemporary and scientific spotlight. In the world of Red Moon, werewolves, or lichens as they're known to the general public, aren't the product of the occult or the supernatural, but rather uh, those who've been infected by a prion-based BSE-type disease. This can, and is often, passed on by way of a bite in the traditional werewolf style or by uh, other sharings of bodily fluids as um, as Percy uh, goes into quite a bit. He's uh, a, an associate editor for Esquire ma- magazine. His writing is very cool and assured and sexy. Uh, Red Moon is set in the modern day but in a world that's been greatly changed by the existence of lichens for a century or more so it's kind of alternate history, retrofitted history in itself. Uh, In the present day of the book, lichens are government registered. They have to keep their transformations under control with strict usage of uh, government-approved drugs. There's actually a lichen homeland, which is created from a vast tract of wasteland between Finland and Russia, um, where American martial law is established to look after things. Western companies mine the rich uranium reserves there. Um, American troops are actually fighting kind of an Afghanistan-style war against lichen rebels in the mountains of this 
early godforsaken landscape and Red Moon kind of is about how the Lycan rebels are bringing the war home to America. The Lycans in Percy's book kind of double for any number of ethnic or minority groups um, and their history in the US as parallels with the civil rights movements of the 60s, uh, Islamophobia, fundamental terrorism in the present day. In fact, it's a very kind of post-9-11 sort of book and Percy quite deftly tells all sides of the story uh, by following different characters with different objectives, different viewpoints. So there's very much an anti-Lycan senator who's running for president. There's a young guy who's the main focus of the book, whose father is away with the army fighting in the Lycan homeland. And there's a young woman who's herself a Lycan. And uh, all these stories, as you would expect, come together for a fairly explosive climax. Um, And it's a very tense blockbuster of a novel, uh, as much a political thriller as it is a horror novel, I think. Another book which is heavy on the science, though it does bring supernatural elements to the fore quite more than Red Moon, is Reviver by Seth Patrick, which is out uh, in the middle of June. Um, This takes another standard horror trope, which is people who can talk to the dead, which we've seen a lot in movies and books, but it gives it a very smart and glossy modern twist. Basically, in Reviver, 12 years or so before the action in the book, uh, the world discovers the existence of these people who can, by touching the hands of the flesh of the dead, shortly after they've died, have conversations with them, temporarily bring them back to life, only for a few minutes, but it enables them to have brief conversations with them. Obviously, this is greeted with uh, a wide range of panic and then interest and curiosity, but it isn't very long before the military and the police applications of this come to the fore. So, by the time the action in the book takes place, which is our modern day. Uh, criminal investigations, homicide investigations especially, are heavily using revivers. They can bring murder victims back to life at the scene for a few minutes, and those murder victims can immediately identify their killers. So it changes the whole face of criminal investigations. The book follows a guy called Jonah Miller, who's a forensic reviver. He's brought into murder scenes to question the newly dead about the moments that led to their killings. It's uh, it's quite tough, demanding work. It really takes it out of these revivers, these guys doing this. It really sort of hammers them both psychically and psychologically and physically. Um, Jonah finds himself increasingly troubled by the revivals he's doing, not just because of the exhaustion it brings on, but because he can't shake the feeling that when he starts to temporarily revive the dead, there's kind of some other presence that's lurking on the edges and wanting to come through. It's uh, Reviver's great edge-of-the-seat read, which possibly owes more to shiny, high-tech TV crime shows than a traditional horror. It's kind of like CSI zombie, something like that. Patrick uh, piles on the tension, doesn't spur the shocks, and he keeps the revelations coming thick and fast. So it's a really good summer blockbuster read again. The third book I'd like to uh, draw your attention to is one that has been out a little longer than those others. It's called London Falling by Paul Cornell. Now, this is much heavier on the supernatural, but it uh, it does take in a lot of scientific side of it. 
not so much with the technical side of things but more in the science of police work really so it has some parallels with Reviver in that it concentrates on the police work and how that is linked to the supernatural in this story um, but it's much uh, much grittier, much more down to earth it, uh, London Falling concentrates on the science really of old school policing as seen through the eyes of a bunch of coppers in present day London now, Paul Cornell is perhaps more well known for his comic book work. He's currently the writer of uh, Wolverine from Marvel. And he's also done a lot of TV work, written some Doctor Who episodes. And this is his first novel, and it's very accomplished, inspired, and um, genuinely scary. I think possibly more scary than the other two books, which are more thriller-type novels. But this, this I think, ticks all the old-style horror boxes. Uh, the story follows this team of police detectives and they're investigating a series of child disappearances in London and they slowly become to realise that um, this is looks like the work of a woman who should be long dead and she's got some strange links to an English football team that's soccer team for American listeners West Ham United and it, it, it sounds quite odd on paper but Cornell really pulls all these strands together it's very British though in, in my copy um, he does helpfully provide a glossary of terms at the back of the book that's perhaps as much for other English readers as it is for American readers because a lot of it's London Cockney East End type stuff so it's quite interesting in that respect and it's very um, it would possibly appeal to uh, anyone who may have enjoyed um, Hellblazer John Constantine comics uh, from Vertigo it's that kind of rough and ready sort of horror um, and if anyone out there remembers The Sweeney the old uh, 70s British cop show with John Thorne Dennis Waterman it's that kind of down and dirty vibe with this gritty, grimy, urban horror. And there's, a, there's an amazing revelation involving one of the main characters, which absolutely knocked my socks off when it comes. And, uh, and I bet it does the same for anyone else who reads it as well. Um, so those really are my recommended summer reads. They're perhaps a little dark for summer, but I think they'll definitely stick in your mind and the perfect beach reads to my mind. Cool. Well, I, you know, I, I'm particularly interested in uh, Benjamin Percy's Red Moon. Uh, the yeah. idea of taking taking the werewolf uh, myth and then explaining it with a little science, throwing in some Chiron diseases in there. It's a, a, I love new takes on old monsters. Yeah, and well, the werewolf is, I think, just a great classic monster. So yeah. any way that you can sort of get to that story in a new and refreshing way, uh, I'm all for that. Uh, let's go on to our last contributor here is Kristen Conger. She of Stuff Mom Never Told You. She yeah. has a great recommendation, and uh, here it is. Hey, this is Kristen Conger, co-host of Stuff Mom Never Told You, and my summer book reading recommendation is Breasts, A Natural and Unnatural History by Florence Williams. I literally took it with me to the beach last week when I went on a brief vacation and dived right into it. And it's a fascinating look at both the evolution and science of human breasts and also our cultural associations with it, 
how breast implants became a thing. Hint, it has to do with paraffin injections. Yikes. And Florence Williams does a great job using really engaging language to draw you into not only the science, but also the cultural history of breasts. So if you want to bring a book to the poolside or beachside with you that might get some looks because it does say press on the cover. Uh, I highly recommend it. It's a really great read and it appeals to the brainier side and also the uh, lady side. And so, yeah, check it out. Florence Williams, Breasts, a natural and unnatural history. Well, there you go. The science, the biology, the uh, the history of breasts. Sounds like a, a good place to, to end out the podcast. <laughs> I cannot actually wait to check out this book myself because I think that it's one of those things that, well, you can't deny it. All of us have breasts, male, female, right? So, um, as we discussed in our milk episode, men have all the same equipment and under the right circumstances can certainly lactate as well. So we all have breasts. Well, and culturally, this is a huge thing, right? For us. Um, (laughs) sorry that there's, I feel like there are breast chicks right there in the surface and I will try not to touch them. But, uh, well, there it goes again. Uh, so anyway, I just wanted to point out that on Slate this week, one of the top performing articles was about bras hmm. and about how there's uh, new sizes, something like 10 different new sizes that are coming out because apparently the, the bra industry is servicing women in an altogether wrong-headed manner. Huh. Um, and I thought that was fascinating. I thought this one article on sort of revamping the bra industry is number one for this week on Slate. Well, it, it directly influences like half the population. So there you go. That's yeah. right. Well, awesome. Well, I would like to personally thank all of the uh, the individuals who took time out of their schedule in-house or elsewhere in the world and on other continents to uh, to talk with us, to think think it over and come up with some books and and share, you know, their their ideas and share the stuff they love with you guys. I think it's it's easy to overlook how cool that is because so many times people who produce content, uh, you know, you get wrapped up in in your own stuff, creating your own stuff, promoting your own stuff. And it's, it's, it's really cool when somebody takes some time to say, you know what, this is the stuff I love that influences me but is not of me, and I would like to, to share it. So, so thanks to, to everybody who, who chimed in. As for the rest of you, uh, some of you are probably wondering, oh, what was that book that, uh, that Food was talking about? What was the name of that author that, uh, that, that Conger or, or Lauren mentioned? Uh, how do you spell that? Well, be sure to go to our website, stufftoblowyourmind.com, and uh, that's where everything is. That's our mothership. That's also where the blog posts are. And there is a blog post accompanying these episodes that will have a complete list of all the book recommendations, both the ones that, that Julie and I made in the previous episode and the guest recommendations in this episode, all in one easy easy to, to handle list with links and everything that you could desire. So be sure to check that out. Uh, you can also check us out at various social media outlets. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Tumblr. Uh, and uh, on YouTube, our handle is Mind Stuff Show. And please do share your thoughts with us on the recommendations that we gave, uh, recommendations that our guests gave, and what you also recommend. And you can do so by sending us an email at blowthemind@discovery.com. And I'm going to close out here with just a, a little bit uh, of music from DJ Food from his album, a 2012 album, The Search Engine, uh, which is amazing. You should check it out. More information about it at djfood.org or ninjatune.net. This track is Colors Beyond Colors. At the upper end of the electromagnetic spectrum, 
is energy of short wavelength and very high frequency. Gamma rays, X-rays, and ultraviolet rays. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Next comes the band of energy we can see with violet light at the high energy end, then down through blue, green, yellow, orange, and red at the low frequency end. Below the red, we can again no longer see the energy.